Well, good morning. Excited to, to be here, and we're going to be talking about the body of Christ today. And uh, like the human body, the church is built for mutuality and interdependence. And so today's passage, it's a continuation of uh, what Dave preached on last week on spiritual gifts. And in this passage today, Paul discusses the parallels between the human body and the body of Christ. And I was, as I was preparing for this, um, every time I was reading about, about this parallel that Paul makes between the human body and the body of Christ, I couldn't get this image out of my mind. And I think I had repressed it from my childhood. But uh, some of you might recognize this little treasure from the 80s or 90s. But uh, Jared, put the picture up here. We've got Slim Goodbody. How many of you remember Slim Goodbody? Uh, this, this character here uh, in this tight unitard suit uh, went around teaching children about the human body and health and wellness and uh, scarred young children for the rest of their life, I think. But uh, if also, if you're thinking about an idea for a Halloween costume, I've got another picture here. Um, you can, can we see the next one here? You can order this. So if you're interested in a uh, flesh-colored Halloween costume, there you go. All right, so... Slim good body, human body, the church is built, we're going to see, by design for mutuality and interdependence. So in our passage today, we're going to see it follows an A-B-B-A pattern. Paul talks about the importance of unity, and then he talks about diversity, then he gets into more detail on diversity, and then finishes with more detail on unity. So let's dig right into this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. And if we skip to verse 27, it says this, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is very similar to what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. He says, we, the church, will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So anyone, any person who has put their faith in Jesus and believes that he died for our sins and rose from the grave is baptized by the Holy Spirit. But this is not just an individual thing. As a believer in Christ, Paul tells us you are a part of the body of Christ which if we stop and pause and think about that, it's a really bold statement that we, you and I, are the body of Christ. So today I want us to think about what does that mean, that we are the body of Christ? Well, one of the things it means is that we should be continuing the work of Christ. So as the body of Christ, we've been given spiritual gifts, we should be using our spiritual gifts to continue the work of Jesus. Jesus' mission was to live and proclaim the gospel, the good news. The time had come, he said, that the kingdom of God was arriving, that God was going to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, that God was going to rescue us from our sins. This gospel, this good news, creates a whole new reality for us as believers. And this is what we've been exploring throughout this uh, series in 1 Corinthians. For those of us who believe, we actually become new creations in Christ, created in Christ Jesus to do his work. 
Listen to what Jesus says in the book of John. He tells his disciples, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus brought together a group of disciples from vastly different social backgrounds, and he said he's going to hand off the work of the good news of the kingdom to them. In Matthew 16, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. After Jesus was resurrected, before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In the book of Acts, uh, Luke follows up the gospel of Luke with this book, and he starts out the book of Acts by saying, in my former book, the gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Acts is all about how Jesus continues what he started in the Gospels, but instead of his physical body being here doing the kingdom work, he works through his people, his body, his church, through you and me. So in Acts, when the resurrected Jesus confronts Paul, or Saul at the time, the great persecutor of the early church, he asked Saul, why do you persecute me? When Saul persecuted the church, he was persecuting Jesus. So when we read Acts and you see this body of believers that makes up the church, it includes all kinds of unexpected people. But it thrives and it grows and it ultimately transforms world history because people who are transformed by Jesus continue his work of transformation in this new reality that we live in. And today, we are the body of Christ, and we are called to use our gifts to continue the work of Jesus. And part of this work, part of this new reality, is that we relentlessly fight for diversity. So as the body of Christ, we should use our gifts to continue the work of Jesus, and part of that is to relentlessly fight for diversity. Paul tells us like the, like the human body, parts that don't seem to go together, work together to form a functioning unit. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 again. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. In the new reality, the church continues the work of Jesus by encompassing, by encompassing a diverse group of people, all unified by Christ. But here's the problem. Here's the challenge. Humans are naturally afraid of people who are different. This is part of the old reality. Our sin nature manifests itself in very tribal ways. And this leads us to cr create and perpetuate all kinds of barriers that revolve around ethnic, racial, cultural, or socioeconomic differences. There's a political scientist named Robert Putnam, and he wrote a book a number of years ago called Bowling Alone. And his, his main point was to look at how, um, over time, our society seems to be less uh, civically engaged in community activities, and we've become more individualistic. And so he kind of looks at uh, trends going on with, with bowling. And he says, you know, more people bowl today, more people go to the bowling alleys and bowl, but we tend to do it with just kind of a group of people of our own peers that we already know versus the past where you had more people 
joining bowling leagues. And so you were kind of having more of a community aspect. And I, we talk about this in, in my government class, about what, what are the ramifications of this sort of individualism on politics. Um, and I always kind of joke, you know, if he's not, he's not talking about bowling alone, like going to the bowling alley and literally bowling by yourself, because that would be weird. I mean, have you ever seen anybody bowl by themselves? And then I had a student raise her hand, and she goes, well, I bowl by myself. <laughs> then I felt really bad, and she said, but I'm on the bowling team. And I said, that makes sense. I said, otherwise, it would be weird. Don't go to the bowling alley by yourself. But that's not what Putnam's talking about. He's talking about we bowl alone because we bowl with people like us. Uh, we, we don't join bowling communities as much. And, and so he talks about these trends, and he talks about how our society is becoming increasingly segregated when it comes to things like race and it comes to things like socioeconomic levels. And we have communities that um, are very homogenous. And he talks about in the past, it was very common for kids in neighborhoods to play with other kids from very different socioeconomic levels. And today we don't see that as much because our communities are more segregated. And I'll just give you an example. Um, we were looking at some of these numbers um, kind of demographic numbers uh, at Waukee High School this week um, during professional development. And you know, if we compare Waukee High School to East Des Moines High School, and you just look at the demographics, uh, East High School, 38% white, 32% Hispanic, 9% Asian, 15% black. Waukee High School, 86% white, 4% Hispanic, 3% Asian, and 4% black. If you look at some numbers on free or reduced lunch, 79% of students at East High School qualify for free or reduced lunch, 15% at Waukee High School. And this, these sort of trends are similar to virtually every other city in the United States. So one of the things that, that Robert Putnam discovered when he was studying these communities um, is when he looked at some communities that were more integrated and had people from different socioeconomic levels and, and different races, they actually trusted their neighbors less. So think about that. Um, you know, we like to think that in America, with our democratic system, with our constitutional rights, that you know, everybody's just equal under the law and we can just kind of rally around the flag and, and pursue happiness and everything beyond that doesn't matter. You know, all the different distinctions don't matter, but think about it. I mean, what American history has always shown us is that we've never had a society where racial, ethnic, or socioeconomic distinctions magically just went away. We've never been there. And what this shows us is the old reality is very hard to overcome. But in this passage, Paul tells us about the new reality. In Christ, these differences and distinctions should be embraced and used to create a truly unified body in the new reality. So the old divisions, out of the old divisions, a diverse interdependent body can be formed. And this is possible. This actually happened in the early church. Um, this actually happened in Acts because of what Paul tells us in verse 13. Okay, it all hinges on this. So in verse 13, he says, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God to all kinds of unexpected people. And this wasn't just a surprise. This was reprehensible 
to most people. In other words, it came at a cost. But he intentionally worked against the social and cultural norms of his day to cross boundaries because of this scandalous message of the gospel that anyone, no matter who they were or what they've done, is invited into the kingdom of God. And what was the result of this? Uh, It resulted in all sorts of unexpected relationships. I mean, think about the kind of people that Jesus reached out to and formed relationships with. Tax collectors, the demon-possessed, lepers, the unclean, adulterous women, Gentiles, poor people, rich people, the imperial rulers of Rome, slaves, free. These radical actions were scandalous. But we see the apostles in the book of Acts continuing the same sort of work and doing the same kinds of things. And what's the result of that? The early church actually included Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. People formerly possessed by demons were a part of the church. Slaves were a part of the church. Former slaves, Ethiopians, Greeks, fishermen, aristocrats, all came together truly into one body. And we see this beautiful picture of mutuality and interdependence that showcased the new reality of the kingdom of God. And it absolutely perplexed people outside of the church. They couldn't get their minds around it. How is this happening with people that didn't normally associate with one another? And so I think we should pause and think about this. Um, What about the American church? Martin Luther King has has famously said and observed, uh, he said this back in the 60s, that 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America on a Sunday morning. 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And that kind of holds true today, um, where we have different churches for different types of people. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And we should think about that, and we should unpack that. But in light of what we see in the gospel And what we see in this passage, how should we think about the American church? And I would say, I would just challenge you with this. Are we demonstrating the socially transformative, upside-down kingdom power that Paul talks about in this passage? Are we proactively developing unexpected relationships where the power of God can be seen to a segregated and tribal world? That doesn't just happen on its own. At Waukee Community Church, some people are relentlessly fighting for diversity and intentionally overcoming barriers like Jesus did. I've had numerous conversations with people who have told me about unexpected relationships, and I keep hearing about how much they have grown from these relationships, how much they have learned from these unexpected relationships. Um, We've been doing a, a course after church, Seeking Shalom, and it's been amazing Uh, Meg has done a great job leading this class, and uh, we've dug into some really weighty questions. Uh, We've, you know, looked at what is poverty? Um, How do we carry out our biblical mandate to care about poverty? How can we work towards building human communities that reflect this new reality and not the old, where people are living fully reconciled to one another and to God and to creation? And these challenges require a relentless fight for diversity because it all hinges on forming relationships. Unexpected friendships 
where there's mutuality. In other words, we use our spiritual gifts and we let our friends use their spiritual gifts. It's not one-sided. It's not about affluent people saving poor people from poverty. It's about recognizing that we're all impoverished and we need to help each other. So as the body of Christ, our third point today is you should be using your spiritual gifts to help others. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Spiritual gifts that seem unimportant are very important because the body doesn't function without them. And remember, our mission is to continue the work of Jesus. So if you're not using your spiritual gifts to help others in the church, this doesn't just affect you, this affects the mission of Jesus. And here at Waukee Community Church, we're bringing people together to live, love, and give like Jesus. This is the reason we exist, is to do this mission. That's why we do what we do. You know, when you think about it, this is pretty serious stuff. In other words, when Paul talks about using your spiritual gifts for the body to function, he's not talking about how um, to have a pancake breakfast to be successful. Everybody's got to do their part and bring something. So if you're just the napkin guy, you're still really, really important. So feel good about yourself. It's more than that, right? It's, It's more than Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots telling each of his players, do your job. If you each do your job, we'll win. Of course, that didn't work out this year in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't do his job, apparently, but anyways, um, we're not talking about using gifts to help win football games or have a successful company, you know, and everybody just do your part and everybody matters. We're talking about the body of Christ, and it's about God's Spirit working through us and in us to manifest this new reality of the kingdom of God within the midst of a world that insists on the old reality. You know, as an elder, I can tell you that we take our mission to bring people together to live, love, and give like Jesus seriously. Um, We don't think our church should be flashy. Um, We don't think it's just a social club. We desire that everybody, young and old, in the body of Waukee Community Church be involved in the work of Jesus and grow closer to Jesus. Uh, We desire that everyone be a part of biblical community with other members of our church where you can use your spiritual gifts and they can use their spiritual gifts to help each other live, love, and give like Jesus. And this is for the benefit of our body and this is for the benefit of our world. So as I wrap this up, it's a short short message, but I have a a quote from A.W. Tozer. I've been reading The Pursuit of God. And he says this, he says, social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains 
when the members that compose it begin to seek a better and higher life. So God has designed us to be many parts with different gifts, different types of people, but we're one body. We're built for mutuality and interdependence. And this means that we need you to use your spiritual gifts to help others, to relentlessly fight for diversity, and to continue the work of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come together as a body. We can um, join each other in fellowship and, and have a pancake breakfast. Uh, we thank you that we can get into your word. Your word is convicting. And we thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us to be a body, a unified body of many parts, that you are at work within our church and in other churches around the world to continue the work of Jesus, to bring reconciliation to the old creation. We pray that we would um, rely on you, Holy Spirit, to um, realize our spiritual gifts and to use them for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.